We are in a short sermon series that we have entitled, How to Get Ahead. And it's almost over. We finish the series next week already. Can you believe that? Next week it will be finished. And so um, today we're, gonna, we're halfway through. And we, it is a financial series, if you've been tracking with us so far. And it's a, it's a money. But we've said all along, we are to trust in God and not in our money. To trust in God, not our riches, right? And, but, and that's, that's so important. There's so much scripture. In fact, we probably preach more sermons here or make more statements through the years about that, about, you know, you know the other side. For example, this series is not about get you giving. It's about you getting because I believe if, you're, if you get and you follow God's principles and how you do it, you'll also follow God's principles and how you give. And so we, we can speak about giving, we can speak about trusting God, and, and all those things we speak about often over the years. But this series is specifically about money and how to get ahead. And we don't want you to trust in God, or in money, we want you to trust in God. But here's the thing. I want to remind you of something we've been saying all along. That when you trust God, you should trust God enough to handle your money the way he tells us to. It only makes sense to say, I, I trust God, to say, I also trust what he says about this subject. Does that make sense? I mean, it's just really weird to pick and choose and say we're trusting God. You've got to trust God with all of it. And God has much to say about this topic in the scripture. So we want to learn from that. Now, We've te- we kind of set the series up with an old proverb that I grew up learning from, from the Proverbs. It was a story that we won't get into full review on, but it was a story about two broke brothers. The, the proverb of two broke brothers. One of the brothers is broke because he was lazy. He wouldn't work, wouldn't work hard, wouldn't get ahead, wouldn't do as little as he had to do to survive or counted on other people to help him survive because he was lazy. The other brother was broke He wasn't getting ahead because he worked hard, but he was wasteful. He worked hard, but was wasteful. Everything that he earned, he spent. And these brothers were different. One was lazy, one was wasteful, and they probably looked at the other one as if the other one was a problem. The lazy one probably thought the wasteful one was dumb to work so hard and have nothing to show for it. And the wasteful one probably thought the lazy one had nothing at all because he was lazy. And they both had an opinion, I'm sure. And they were both half right, but they were both half wrong because they both, it's not an either or situation, it's a both. This series is talking about both sides of this thing. And these two broke brothers, lazy or wasteful, may have been different from each other, but they were the same. They were brothers. They were both broke. And Solomon said to his children, kids, I don't want you to be either broke brother. I want you to be like the ant. And so we saw in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6, the last couple of weeks, we read these verses. It says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. And what we learned in that and also other passages about the ant is that the ant was the creature that would take the, the summer when the weather was good and the times were aplenty. And, and instead of just sitting back and saying, it'll always work out and this is the time to enjoy it, 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 it took advantage of the opportunity to work hard. And it labored hard during the summer. While it was strong, while it was young, while times were good, while the seasons were plentiful, 
And it didn't just work hard and spend it or use it. It's worked hard and stored it up. It gathered and stored because the, bad, the winter was coming and the ants wanted to be ready when the winter came, but not waiting to say, we'll figure that out when it gets here. No, we're going to figure that out now and work hard and gather. So Solomon was saying, don't be like either of our broke brothers, the lazy brother or the wasteful brother. Be like the ant, works hard and stores up. And that's kind of the basis of the series. So we've been talking this year, this, this last couple of weeks, using these M&Ms to make an illustration for us. And I meant to bring more out because I keep giving them away so my, my totals are, are shrinking down. But we have more. I'm going to fill this up for the last week, hopefully. And then I'm just going to like have a bobbing for M&Ms contest or something. I don't know. But um, the idea is that this tin of M&Ms over here, this represents... Um, this, this tin represents, this bin represents income or money. Our ability to go out and earn money to get ahead of the life. That's income. And then on the um, other side of it, this, this bin represents what we, our outgo, where we spend our money, the things we buy. And we earn money, we have income, and then it goes out into the things we want or feel we need in life. And we said that um, this, this jar I'm using is, is your life. It's your ability to go earn that income and your ability to spend that income is outgo. And in the middle here, these two empty jars and the space in the middle represents how far we are ahead. And you'll see they're empty right now. Because that's for all of us, when we first start, when we first become adults or whatever, get our first job or first get married, probably we are not ahead yet unless someone before us, a family member, was way ahead and they gave us a head start. How cool would that be? But for most of us, we don't have that. So, so you, you want to get ahead. And, and obviously you can't get ahead if you're like the one of our two broke brothers. You're the lazy brother who won't work. You can't get ahead. But sometimes so we, we work, but then if we're not careful... We take what we work and we spend it all, and we're like the wasteful brother. We're still broke. We're not getting ahead. And the secret is as we work to, to start setting aside and saving. We've taught this principle all the time. And, and listen, this is for everybody. Moms and dads teach this to their children when they're little and getting birthday money and their birthday cards or get their first allowance or their first job. Teach this to your kids. Um, this is good for kids, teenagers, young adults, old adults, all ages, all stages of life, that, that one of the things we should do is, is we should do our giving and saving first. I've preached and lived by a model. Uh, give 10%, save 10%, and then find a way to live off the rest. And that's so important. Generosity is important. Uh, we should all be that way in, in general as human beings, especially in a, a, a prosperous land like we live in. Um, if, you, if you won't do it now, you won't do it if you ever got rich. You don't just start being generous later. You start now. So give 10%, save 10%, and then live off the 80. And do those things first. Do the saving first before you do the spending. Because here's why. If we spend first, if we spend first and say, if I have anything left over, then I will do my giving and my saving. But I'm going to spend first. I'm going to tell you, you'll never give and you'll never save. Because it's an amazing thing when you start living by spending first and then you'll do something good with the extra. What happens is there's always something to spend on. It's amazing. In fact, that's some people will say, I would be generous and I would save, but I need 100% of my income just to get by every week. It's, oh, it's all gone. There's nothing. There's never anything left over. And I'm like, of course there's not. That's how life works. But here's the magical little secret. If, you do the, if you'll work and then you'll do the first thing you'll do is you'll give, and the first thing you'll do is you'll save your, your 10% first, 
and then you'll have to live off the 80, it's amazing. You'll get by on the 80 just like you're getting by on the 100. It's like, it's, it's magic. It's, it's amazing how that works. It's just, it just does. Because when we, have the, we do the spending first, it just tends to all go out. But when we do the right things first and then we lift the rest, we make it work. It's just how life works. And, and, and I've seen, I've, heard, been, I've been around a long time. People could argue against that principle, but it always proves true. Whether I'm going off 80 or 100% of my money goes to spending, it always goes. But if you intentionally do the right things first, you get ahead. So we work hard, we give, we, we save, and then we spend. We work hard. And we, we, we say, give, we save, and then we spend the 80. We can live off the 80. But, you know, sometimes when we're living off the 80, we're like, you know, I don't have to spend all 80. I can maybe not go to Starbucks this week so many times or not eat out a few times. I could, I could maybe watch the movie at home instead of buying two or three movie theater tickets and buying that popcorn. I could just get a bag of pop secret from the cupboard and, and save a whole lot of money. And, and in that money I could have spent, can it be extra savings because I already saved at the beginning of the paycheck, but now I'm going to save at the end as well. And next time I earn, I'll do the same thing. Save first, spill a little bit, spend more, save a little extra. And we keep doing that all the way along until this is boring. It takes a long time. I'm fast forwarding here. It doesn't work this way. Okay. What happens is this. We get frustrated because you see how long it's taken me for my sermon and we're like, that's how it takes in life. We're like, I'm saving, but there's just nothing there. And we start doing the little, I gotta go to the bathroom dance in life. Come on, what's this taking so long? Because we always overestimate what we can do in the short term, but we always underestimate what we can do in the long term. And so in the short term, we're like, this ain't getting very far very fast. And so we give up. But if you keep saving a little bit here and a little bit there, and I mean, put, I, mean I don't mean a little, I mean 10%, and it doesn't seem like much. And, and saving a little extra at the end and putting more in there doesn't seem like much, but you'll fill a jar. And then you work at another jar. And what happens before long is, again, in the short run, maybe not much, but over time, you start filling up jars. Over time, we start getting ahead. Over time... Look what's happening. Over time, we can change our world. We can change our life. Over time, it makes a difference. Now, so we got this is what we want to do. And this represents our freedom from work to do the things we want to do, to get the things we want to get and, and give and, and live the way, but is getting ahead first. And last week, we kind of talked about the working end. You got to have income, maximize your income. And some people are like, I don't like that. But like the two broke brothers, most of us identify with either one broke brother or the other. We either identify with a brother who is, um, doesn't want to work and, you know, kind of leans lazy. Like just, I want to do as little as I have to do. And if that's your, if you lean to, into being that broke brother, the one who leans towards do as little as possible, last week's sermon was probably uncomfortable. You either probably didn't like it or felt challenged by it or convicted or poked at or you have a different opinion and a different way of seeing life than that. Okay. And this week, we'll poke the other kind of brother. Some of us were the other kind. We have no problem with working and working hard, but we just really like to spend a lot. We waste, we're very wasteful. And we also defend that. We also get defensive and justify and don't like, you know, our guard is up. Probably either last week or this week, at some point, you know, if you loved last week, you might not this week. And if you were like, ah, last week. But take, here's my advice to all of us. When you hear something, when you hear truth in Scripture that's uncomfortable for you, don't put your wall up and don't put your fists up. Step back and say, that may be what I need. 
If I already nod my head rigorously and say, yes, 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 then maybe I don't need that as bad. But if I hear something that makes me on edge, maybe I should lean into that tension. And that may have been last week about working. But here's the thing. We're talking about the spending end today. And I believe that's the big issue. I told you last week that your income is your greatest wealth building tool. It is. Your, your income is your greatest wealth building tool, but not if you spend it all. You have to actually do it, use it to build the wealth. And what happens is this. The young, uh, younger generation, and I'm really, this sermon series is for all ages, but the younger, the better. The, the, the young people who are younger, sometimes they struggle with the idea of wanting to work like a nine to five all their life because they saw dad or grandpa spend their entire years until they were just, they were just, until Uncle Sam gave them a, a pittance to stop working and said, go die now or something. And they're like, I don't want to do that my whole life. So they're just like, I just got to skid off, you know? And so, the, and, and so they're like, Arlen, I'm sorry, but I don't want to be stuck on the treadmill of a work existence forever. And so they don't want to work because they saw what seemed like an endless cycle. And my point has been all along, I understand that feeling. I understand watching that viewpoint and feeling that way. But especially if you're young, listen carefully, the problem isn't the working. The problem is almost always, especially in a country like ours, it's a spending issue. As long as we spend what we earn, we're going to have to keep on that treadmill of a worked existence. As long as we spend the, what we earn, we're going to have to never get off that, that, that ride. There's no way forward. And so because we have a, we're a materialistic world with a spending problem in, the, in, in countries like ours, and because we do that, it keeps us working this way. And, and, and so you don't, don't decide that work is the problem. Work is not the problem. Don't let people before you convince you that working is the problem. I want to challenge you today that, that maybe we want to talk about the other issue today that is the problem, that if you'll solve that problem and you'll be willing to work, you can get off that treadmill of a work existence earlier than you think you can. You can change what you do down the road, but you've got to play the game a little differently than everybody else does. And that's hard to do, and people won't encourage you. People will defend what, how they did life versus saying there might be a better way. But Arlen, I don't want to do this forever. You don't have to do it forever, but just because you don't want to do it forever doesn't mean you should do it never. Do for now what you don't want to do forever so you don't have to do it forever. Work and save like a crazy person and spend what you need to. You got to eat and live indoors. And save more. And get ahead. Now, here's the thing. We've said all along that getting ahead, getting ahead is about widening the gap between income and outgo. That if your income and outgo match, you're not getting ahead. If your outgo is bigger than your income, you're in the hole. If you raise your income above your outgo, you're getting ahead. The further you can keep raising your income without saying, ooh, more income. I have more needs now. No, keep the outgo down. Actually, push it down further. Gap, make the gap big between income and outgo. And the bigger the gap, that's how you get ahead. And we do that by maximizing income, minimizing outgo. Last week we discussed maximizing income. Today we're going to discuss minimizing the outgo. I'm going to begin with a Bible story from ancient Israel. And I'm going to also tie my shoes. So if you wonder what I'm doing back here, I'm doing my shoes being tied. Um, the story is Joseph. And if you know me, I love to tell Bible stories. In fact, my favorite thing to do as a pastor is to tell Bible stories. But I don't have time to tell you this fun, awesome story of Joseph today for sake of time. If you want to read it for yourself, it's Genesis 37 through 50. It's a long story with a couple interruptions. But um, in Genesis, uh, we find the story of Joseph. And fast-forwarding past all the cool stuff 
to a later part of the story, Joseph is 30 years old. And currently in this part of the story, he is in prison in Egypt under King Pharaoh's personal palace uh, prison. He's in prison there. And uh, at one point, King Pharaoh has a troubling dream. And then he wakes up, gets some, gets some uh, tums, and has another troubling dream that seems very similar to the first one. And he believes it means something, so he looks for an interpretation. No one knows how to help. Someone near him remembers meeting Joseph and that Joseph knew how to interpret dreams. Joseph's brought out of prison to Pharaoh's presence. Pharaoh tells Joseph his dream. Joseph tells Pharaoh that he had it twice because it means something that's about to happen. And here's the dream. Not the dream, but here's the interpretation. Joseph says, Pharaoh, God is telling you, very kindly, very graciously telling you, that for the next seven years, it's going to be awesome. The rain's going to fall just the right amount, no floods, no droughts. Crops will be great. The fields will be fertile. It's going to be the most awesome, wonderful seven years of our life. It'd be easy just to sit back and celebrate and live off the fat of the land. But at the end of those seven years, seven years of drought and famine are coming. And when those seven bad years follow the seven good years, they're going to be so bad that, that, that people are going to be wiped out. And they're not even going to remember that there ever were good years. Because they're going to be devastating times for many people who weren't ready for them. And Joseph says, Pharaoh, God is doing you a solid by giving you this heads up. Because you have the chance to do something that people don't do very often. You have the chance to look ahead and see what's coming and do something before it gets here. He says, so we want to get ahead of this thing. So Joseph gives Pharaoh some advice. We pick up the story in Genesis 41 and verse 34. It says, Joseph is talking. He says, then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. In other words, during these next seven years of plenty, send your people to gather one-fifth, which is, by the way, 20%. Leave them with the other 80%. And if people are smart, they won't just spend all the 80%. They'll also save that themselves. But set the example for them to save by taking 20% right off the gap. We're just going to store it all up. We're going to gather all the, this, this 20% for every week, every month, every year for the next seven years. Verse 35, have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. Here we're going to store this stuff up. Verse 36, that way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, he says, otherwise this famine will destroy the land. And what Joseph was saying to Pharaoh is, look, if we do this for the next seven years, you're going to be okay for the last seven. If you don't, we're going to be destroyed when the bad times come. But if you store up now, if you have the wisdom to look ahead now and get ahead of the, of the tough times that are coming that people don't see are coming, you will not only survive Pharaoh, you will thrive. The country will thrive. And it did. Egypt thrived. Like when they had plenty of food to get through the tough years because they, they prepared, other people nearby would come and say, hey, do you have some food you can ration out to us? And they'd do so in exchange for their land. And Egypt turned from a, a powerful land to a mighty empire in the famine. Think about that. During the famine, empire, Egypt grew powerful and expanded its power because it was in a position 
by what it did during the good years to take advantage of the crisis. Never let a crisis go to waste, someone once said, right? And they took advantage of it and they got ahead in the seven years and the empire grew very strong. By the way, isn't that a principle of life? We've seen this over and over again in the world we live in, that people who've managed to, to store up a little extra and get ahead when, when crazy things happen in the world and, they, and they've worked ahead a little bit, they can survive the crises and oftentimes use those opportunities to get further ahead. We can look at so many things from 9-11 to the 2008 housing market crash to uh, uh, March 2020, beginning of COVID, when people were, uh, the stock market crashed way down. People who were, many people were hurt in those moments, but folks who had gotten ahead and diversified wisely and were ready, many times had a chance in those low spots to seize the opportunities that that presented People have built some of their greatest wealth during crises because they were in a position already to do so and to seize the chances that came with that. And whatever you think about that, that's what, that's what Egypt did. Egypt had seven years and they got ahead. They prepared, they stored up. And when things got bad and everyone else was figuring out how to survive, they thrived. And they weren't destroyed. And... and um, it's an interesting idea, and it's, it's, not, it's just a story that God used to bring Joseph to the front of Egypt for a whole different eternal purpose. But it supports the, the wisdom of being prudent that we see throughout the book of Proverbs, of realizing it won't always be this good. And to be honest, we've been living as Americans in a very wealthy nation for a long time. For decades, our nation has been living off the fat of the land. That's a whole conversation to have some other time. But we're easily in a spot where we just keep living like we'll have it forever. And if hard times come, then what? And, 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 and so being prudent is looking ahead. Now, what happens to us is we make some money, and again, but there's a house to buy, there's cars to drive, there's clothes to own, there's toys to buy, there's food to eat. And I want to pick on those things for just a few minutes each. So you gotta get, you got to get in the nitty-gritty, right? And we'll start with the sacred cow because you can't criticize the house purchases because real estate's a good investment. So you can't criticize the house, Right? And by the way, real estate is a good investment. We're going to talk about investments and making your money work for you to close out the series. Not today. But let me say this. Real estate is a, a form of a good investment. If you buy the right kind of house, obviously a mobile home is going to depreciate in value versus appreciate. Also, if you buy in the right kind of area, otherwise your house could depreciate versus appreciate. Different conversation. But assuming you get the right kind of house in the right kind of location, yes, a house can be good real estate investment, but that doesn't mean that you are making a good choice, especially when you, we tend to buy too many, too much house. We're watching like shows like House Hunters on HGTV along the way or something. You'll see people who are going to go buy a house and they'll go to the realtor and they'll say, here's my budget. What they mean by our budget is, this is the maximum I could possibly spend. They don't sit there and say, I want to live with a lot of margin and buy a lot less house than I need. They're like, no, I could buy this much house and get by. Please, Lord Jesus, keep my job and get by. So they go to the realtor with that, that vision, and the realtor's like, really? And they show them a few houses, including houses that are above their budget. And then they're like, well, you know, maybe we can stretch, you know? And we always get in over our heads. We're like, well, I need more house. Because, you know, what if, you know, I want to entertain a lot of people, what if I, the kids are all going to grow up and move away and they all want to come back and visit at the same time? We have this fantasy. They're all going to move away and all back at the same time. We've got to have rooms for everybody. And I'm always like, really, how many times for most people are all the plethora of your children all going to move far away? No one lives close. All going to come back at the exact same time. I mean, this, you're talking about a few moments. And if, if those moments happen, put air mattresses on your little house living room floor and sleep together and talk until the wee hours of the morning. Make some memories. 
for crying out loud. But, but see, but, but, no, they got to come home and have their own bedroom and suite and bathroom and a butler with a towel. We got to own Downton Abbey at our house, man. That's what we got to do. We just got to have so much space. And my point is this. Another way to do it is to sit there and say, more house is more money, is more insurance, is more, in, is more taxes, is more maintenance, is more stuff to fill the house with. Did you know houses in America today are three times as big on average than they were in the 1950s? Three times in square footage from the 1950s on average. And yet, and yet, we can't fill our stuff in our houses so our garage is so full our car can't park in the garage. And we have a rental storage unit somewhere for part of our stuff sometimes too. Got a problem, I'm just saying, okay? But here's the thing. Uh, Gotta get a house. Arlen, cars. I'm gonna drive a nice car. You know the problem with a nice car is? After a few years of your nice car, you're tired of it. Yeah, I was bored of that car. And they get bad and he has it breaking down and then you start justifying because you're bored of it. Well, you know, uh, a new car payment is not any more expensive than maintenance on my old car. Eh, probably, probably is, but tell yourself that. Just get a better used car then, you know, if it's that bad. But, but here's the thing. They all end up in the junkyard. They all end up in the scrap heap. Every one of them. My favorite, my, my first car I ever bought, I was so consumed with power. I loved it. It was a 19, not, boy, 1995 Pontiac Bonneville SSEI with a 3.8 liter supercharged engine. I mean, the heads-up display in the windshield. I would go on and on and on. Do you know where it's at today? It's a junkyard. That was my stupid choice. Clothes. Well, fine clothes last longer. If the clothes last longer, you'll be bored of them in a year anyhow. And why is it that we have so many clothes? It's not just the quality of clothes. It's the amount of clothes we have. Like, like, like listen, like we have to have, cl- our house is big because we have to have a walk-in closet to handle all of our clothes. I mean, you remember Steve Jobs had, he wore a pair of jeans and a black tur- turtleneck all the time. Presidents will often wear two suits. People have wardrobe capsules and like a uniform system. But we have closets full of clothes. And don't poke the person sitting next to you right now, but I wonder how many of you spent time today or this week staring at a closet full of clothes and saying to yourself, I got nothing to wear. Don't, don't, don't poke, okay? Um, clothes, toys, because you know what's crazy? I have an iPhone 11 and that thing is so old. There's 13s out now. My iPhone 11 is an embarrassment to my family name. And uh, also, there's, um, there's the uh, trick of food. Food's the best one. Food is the biggest waste. If people added up the amount of money they eat out in food every week, every month, you could afford that car and more. Right? Food is ex- eating out. And that doesn't, talk about the car going bad in a few years. You know how bad the food goes to waste? Let's not even discuss that. Or it goes to your waste, one or the other. I don't know. But anyhow, um, here's the thing. Um, you see, but Arlen, I'm afraid if I don't do that, I'm not, I look bad around my neighbors and friends because I have, I'll look like I have. If I don't live that way, I'll like be the poor person. See, here's the weird thing about human beings. We feel less than if we have less than. And because we live in a rich country, in the world, we are one of the richest places in the world. We don't see the poor people next to us to feel better about ourselves. We see the other rich people who are richer, and we'll feel less than if we have less than. Like, if I have the junkiest house on the block, oh, if I have the, the, the oldest car in the, in the employee parking lot, if my kids have the less cool stories to tell after Christmas break of all the junk they got, you know, I'm like, we're less than, which is not true. Because people who have more than you, they're just comparing themselves to a different set of Joneses is all. 
They're still chasing the same rat race, and they've not solved all of life's problems. But we lie to ourselves because we feel the need to chase. And the problem we do that is because we live in a materialistic world, especially in a rich country like ours, where stuff is so easy to get and own. And so here's what I want to say. If we're going to solve this problem of spending all that we earn and never getting ahead, if we're going to solve this problem, we're going to solve this problem by changing our mindset. It's got to start with a mindset and how we think. And that's going to start by input. Input is so, you know input's so important. Mom and dad are probably at your home. And all of us know input's important. You know, you come to church on Sundays because probably all week long in the secular world we live in, things bombard us and bombard us. And so hopefully you, you, you need that spiritual input. You read your Bible, you pray, but you also want to come to church to hear from God's word and be around God's people because input is important spiritually in a world that if you're not, if you're not getting that, you're just going to dry up spiritually, Right? Input's important. And so in a materialistic world, and we live in a materialistic world, like I think one of the big sins of Western culture amongst Christians is materialism. One of the big sins. And, and it's because we, we're in it. We, we're in the pickle jar. Of course we smell like pickles. It's hard to, to separate from what we live in. But the best thing you can do in a materialistic world is, is step out of that and get some input that will give you a different mindset. And so I'd recommend all of us, everyone should do some reading and some studying on the topic of minimalism. Minimalism, I'm a passionate for the subject. I'm not a full crazy minimalist, but I, I've leaned that way so much more the last few years than I used to because of reading about it and getting a different mindset in a material world. And um, you should do some reading on it at least. I don't think you should, get, you should sell everything you have and fit into two backpacks and live that way. But, but, but if we don't have any other input than a culture that says, buy, 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 market, 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 consume, consume, consume. Christmas is coming. Get ready for the marketing. Get ready for the whole campaign. If we don't get a different mindset, we're not going to get better. So I want to give everyone, I could go on for three hours on this subject and not even be bored. So let me give you two book recommendations on the screen. You should write these down, take a picture. If you are willing to read a book and get a book, I'm going to give you two recommendations I always pass on to others. The first one is called The More of Less by Joshua Becker, former pastor whose life is transformed in this arena by this. And now he's a, he's a spokesperson on the subject. The More of Less is an awesome read. Everyone should read it. Another book that's also very, very good is called The Joy of Less by Francine Jay. And that book is different in its approach, but they both are the same overarching big idea. They're both worth reading. I've read them both. And, um, but get a couple books like this and, and read them and get some input. Let someone speak into your life. It's like our politics. You know why you think the way you think? Because you hang out with, the, you read certain information from certain kinds of people who tell you what the other side thinks and you listen to them and you, have a, you hang in a certain group and we're just influenced by what we are saturated by. And until you start saturating yourself with different input, you'll never see the world differently. So read on minimalism for your sake. And my sake. Let me give you a Bible verse that you ought to also commit to memory. I love this verse. It's Proverbs 21, verse 20, and it says this. The wise, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Think about that. The wise have wealth and luxury. It does not mean the, they, 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 woo, luxury. It means the wise have done what we've been seeing throughout all of Proverbs. They have operated wisely. They've learned from the ant and become wise. They've earned and they've gotten ahead as they've managed to live, and they keep getting ahead. And because they've done so, they have wealth and luxury. They've done, they've, in time, because they've been wise and prudent, they have wealth and luxury. But not the fool. 
You know what fools do? Fools spend whatever they get. Yeehaw! I mean, it's just like full on. It just comes in and goes out like a open doors. Now, you say, well, Arlen, that's a good verse, but that's not me. I don't spend all my money. I, I don't have any, but I, I don't spend it all. I just don't know, I don't know where it goes. In theory, I should have more. I don't think I'm that bad. I just don't know where. It's just like, I think someone's stealing from me. I think sending to your bank is wrong. Um, someone's, someone, there's a foul uh, plot afoot or something. I don't know. Um, I want to give you some advice about, about paying attention to your money from Proverbs real quick here. Proverbs 27 verse 23 says this. Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. In other words, in that culture, people were raising livestock and cattle as a means of income and career and wealth. And what Solomon was saying is, is a, far, a, a, a person raising cattle shouldn't be the kind of person that says, how many cattle do I have? I don't know, about, about this many from a distance. I don't know. Um, are they all there? Probably. They all seem to be about there. Are they healthy? Yeah, haven't heard any complaints. No, he says, know the city of your flocks. Know how many you have. Make sure they're all accounted for the next day. Know if one's missing, where they're at and why. Is anyone sick? Why? What's going on? Are they eating well? Know the state of your flocks. Look, put your heart into caring for your herds. And for us, it'd be like, look at what, when you earn, when you get your income coming in, know where it's going on. Don't say, yeah, I should have more coming in than going out this month, I think. So, wee. No, it's like, I know where every dollar's at. I know how many dollars I have and how many cents I have. I know if it's gone, where it went to. I could categorize it. It's, 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 it's budgeted. It's, it's there. I know what's going on. Why do we do this? Because, verse 24, because riches don't last forever. Riches don't last forever, and the crown might not be passed on to the next generation. Solomon is saying, look, things change. Your financial situation changes. They don't last forever. Nobody said that it would last forever. That's a song lyric. Anyhow, um, don't for a second think that it's going to always be there. It's like Egypt and Pharaoh. It's like, it's like the ant. It's like the two broke brothers. You think it'll always be this good, or if it's not, I'll figure it out when it gets here. He says a wise person looks ahead and says, hey, because it might not last forever, I'm going to get ahead while it's good. This isn't now for me to, to enjoy now. This is for me to save tomorrow and change my world. Now, I want to give you, and you say, well, that sounds like a lot of work. You know, doing all this, counting your money, knowing where it's going, all that, it's just, ah, it sounds like work. And that brings me to some really cool thought to me. It's cool. Last week, I told you about working, that you should work hard, work smart, and work extra. Remember I said get a side hustle if you need to? Some people do DoorDash after their main job, or they do Instacart delivery after their main job just to get a little, to either stay afloat or to get a little further ahead. Um, some people are mechanics. They go to their main job, and then they do a night or two a week or a weekend where they do some, some side mechanic work. It could be a thousand things. But a side hustle. Do you know one kind of a side hustle to create more income might not be making more income, although I think that's great? Another way to do this, well, let me, let me say it this way to you. Let me say it this way. Doing the work to not have outgo is like working for more income. Like, in other words, in other words, when I work hard and I have so much outgo, I can either work hard to get extra income so I can get ahead, or by not having so much outgo, I have more to get ahead. It's like a side hustle. It's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like saying, I'm kind of tired. Let's go out to eat. 
Someone else can prepare the food for me because I don't want to go to the store, buy the food, and prepare the food. But you'll spend a lot more eating out when someone prepares it for you, right? So you can think of it this way. By, by, by buying the food and bringing it home and, and preparing it, the money you'll save is kind of the same thing as saying, I'm going to eat out, but go get a second side hustle job to earn the money that I spent extra on having someone prepare my food for me. The side hustle is buying the food yourself and preparing it. Preparing more careful foods instead of convenience foods that are more expensive are ways that you work. Anytime you can work to figure out ways to spend less money is kind of like working to make more money. Every dollar you spend, I'm sorry, let me say it this way. Every dollar you don't spend now is a dollar you don't have to make later. So doing the work to not have outgo is like working for income. Now, and by the way, don't forget that we can kind of really equate money and time. Someone said, well, time is money. And yes, money is time, right? So in a way, we can equate our outgo, not just with our money, but with our time. Because money is time. That time that we have to, we spent to earn that, we just, I just, just spent a hundred bucks. I spent the time it took me to earn a hundred bucks. I didn't just spend um, Money, I spent my time. Or the money, the time I'm going to have to spend later to get that money back that I wasted just now. i got to get that money back somehow. How much time will it take me to go out and produce what I just spent in time? And so that's a big idea. Because time is money and money is time and time measures life. So do I really want to spend my life for this? Now, in light of that, I want to give you three statements. And then we're going to wrap up after the three statements and move into the last week. And these three are worth writing down. They're kind of summarizing what I've already said. Worth writing down if you're trying to figure out how to get ahead. Maximizing income, minimizing outgo. Principle one for practical take home is this. Know where your money is going. That's what the proverb said earlier. Know where your money is going. In other words, say, is it, Arlen, don't say the dreaded B word, budget. Oh, he did. He said it out loud in church even. Oh. Um, here's the thing. I understand, but you don't have to have, like, it's not the oldest. You've got to have, like, 18 pieces of paper and an accounting degree to budget your money. Like, there's so many phone apps and tools nowadays from Good Budget to Every Dollar to YNAB that you can just, it's, it's, if you'll just do the initial work of figuring that out, which is pretty user-friendly, do the initial work up front, and then the regular maintenance of just entering your stuff into it, it does so much work for you. You can know where your money's going. You ought to know. You ought to know. Say, well, I just don't like, I'm just too free-spirited. If you work hard, look, if you're not the lazy of the broke brothers and you work hard, you got some character. Use that character you have to be, have character with how you control what goes out. Know where it's at. Know what's going on with it. Just put that character to work in this part of your life as well. Know where your money's going. You know, when people have a spending problem, I usually can sit there and say, let's trace where it's at. It's always funny to me how much it's easy to spot a mile away from anybody on the outside. Uh, some people, they just buy a lot of beer and cigs, or maybe it's a lot of eating out. And you sit there and say, I'm going to talk to you and say, well, how much are you spending? Oh, you know, I, 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 about this I buy about this much of this or that. And I'm like, listen, here's what I want you to do. For the next, I want you to go back for the last 30 days and figure out how much you spent on that habit. Well, I didn't really keep track. I used cash. I don't know. Okay, fine. The next 30 days, Keep track of how much you spend on that habit to the dime. Because most of us, we, we know it's probably a problem, but we don't know how much of a problem. Or I eat out a lot. Spend the next two months <laughs> tracking how much you eat out or ate out the last two months to the dime. Or 
If you're like addicted to Amazon Prime delivery, the, the, your favorite sound in the world is the doorbell. Ding, ding, ooh. Um, uh, how much have you spent the last quarter or the next three months on deliveries? And add it up to the penny. You say, Arlen, I don't want to do that. I'd just rather do this because I don't really want to know. I just don't want to know. I just don't want to know. Peel the blinders back and look at the painful, uncomfortable, ugly truth. Because until we know, then don't, 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 cover, don't cry afterwards and do the same thing. Start focusing in every single time. What am I doing? What am I doing? Is this why I can't get ahead? Know where your money's going. Number two, measure your spending in time, not just money. I said this earlier, but, uh, you know, if you make hourly, it's easier. If you make salary, just figure out what, how many hours that would be in a normal job and divide the, do the math, but it's, it's all doable. Use a calculator. But here's the thing. If you have an hourly job, it's easy. Like if you go out to eat with your, with your wife or your husband, which is great, measure how much you spend in time, not just money. By the way, if you go out to eat with your wife and, 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 or your husband and all your children at a restaurant, I'm not trying to judge anyone's life choices here, but I'm going to just take a moment here and judge without judging. Um, if you take your, all your kids out to restaurants to sit down and have a waiter wait on you to eat, I'm just going to be asking you, I think you're kind of, that's, that's a way, I guess. I just don't think that's that smart. Because first of all, the kids don't really have that good of an appetite. They probably would have a McDonald's cheeseburger than they would anything fancy at a restaurant. They don't, look, how's their taste palate for finer foods in the first place? They, they like ketchup on their, on their eggs for crying out loud, you know? So you're eating at a, a premium place, you know, for experience. You're like, but Arlen, we're spending family time together. I don't, first of all, you'll get far more quality family time sitting around your own dinner table. I know it's work. It's a way of making money by not spending so much than you will at a restaurant or sitting from the TV eating anyhow. So if you really want to spend family, quality family time, don't lie. Go eat at the dining room table together. People go out to eat at a restaurant, spend a whole lot of money on a whole big family, don't even talk that much or they fight or they're on their phones and they walk away feeling kind of gross anyhow and they're broke. But anyhow, that's, that's, that was a rabbit trail. So you and your, your honey go out to eat because you want to date your honey. That's great. You should do that. Go for it. Good if you can afford it. But, but at least as you do it, ask yourself, how much are we spending in not just in money but in time? So you go out and get a couple entrees and dessert and drinks and then the tip and it's 80 bucks for the two of you and you make $20 an hour. That's four hours of your last week that you worked to pay for that. Or it's four hours of next week to pay for that money back out of the category you took it from. So measure in time, not just money. Number three, Find minimalism, content, and community. And by the way, that last point, I'm sorry, I just want to say about the, the time thing. Do that when you want to upgrade your TV size. How many hours of your life do you got to spend to get a bigger TV size in your room? Measure your purchases and your stuff and your toys in your time, not just your money. Number three, find minimalism, content, and community. Let me say this. Um, minimalism, again, is a good concept. It's the anti-materialism. We live in the West. We're, the richest, we're amongst the richest people in the world, but we don't see the poor, so we don't feel very rich, and we're driven through marketing to buy more. you got to fight materialism. And the only way to do it is to get good input, get content like the books I mentioned, and community. Content, like go to Facebook, and uh, I follow Joshua Becker's uh, Becoming Minimalist on, on Facebook or Twitter. There's lots of minimalist people on there. Find a Discord group to get some community and meet some people and, and read the comments and talk to each other and build friendships with people who are pursuing a simpler life. Say, so why would I do that? Because you will be affected by who you hang out with. Mom and dad, we know this if we have teenagers or if we were a teenager once, which is all of us. Kids in school go to school and they come back with these really weird ideas about, about the world from their friends. You're like, you believe what is good or what is evil or what is you, how do you see the world? That's, we didn't teach you that. How'd you get that idea in your head? 
because that's what they learn from their friends. They all talk and they all influence each other through their influencers and, and through each other, the content and the community they have. And we're like, I don't know where you get these ideas from. We did the same thing, and, and it was probably dumb for us too. We, we get bad ideas from our community. But here's the thing I'm trying to say. If, if we never figured, that doesn't stop when you get old. Some of us are so influenced by our political commentators and our, our tribe of people who see the world that we see it and they feed our thoughts. Get, if you want to fight materialism in your life, if you want to get ahead, you got to make your money, maximize income and minimize outgo. And the best way to do that is to get some content that encourages minimalism is a lifestyle versus materialism and find people and community that encourage you to do the same thing. As we've said from the beginning, as I conclude, getting ahead is about widening the gap between income and outgo. And when you do that, when you get more income, a little bit more income, and you shrink the outgo as little as possible, and you get ahead. What this, I gotta wrap this up, but don't miss this. This is the solve all, cure all for everything about this subject, not about everything about the universe, but about this subject. Okay, don't miss this. This is so, so simple, so clear. This helps both broke brothers. Remember the two broke brothers? Just think with me. The one brother's broke because he's lazy, doesn't want to work. Like, maybe you identify, I don't want to work forever. Here's the cool part. If you'll work for now, not forever, but for now, if you'll, do, do, you'll work extra, work hard, work smart, you'll get ahead. You don't waste it all. You don't spend it all. You get ahead. And you're the guy that doesn't want to work, that you're that brother. By getting ahead, you can be free from work. You don't need you might choose to work as you want to do something. You might want a little extra, but you don't need that situation. You could be free. You could have more options. Work, the, the, the one brother doesn't want to work could be solved that problem if he would just work for now and save for now and get ahead. It solves the work problem. Because this invested wisely will do the work for you. It'll create your income for you. It can replace your need for a job for you and eventually set you free. And the other brother who says, yeah, but I'm the other guy. I want to enjoy the finer things of life. Good. If you'll not enjoy them now, you'll work hard now and not do that, and you'll get ahead. And let this work for you and multiply. That will let you have those things of life you want later. Our problem is we want it all now. We start off with nothing, and we just start earning and spending or not earning. And I'm saying work hard, maximize income, minimize alcohol, get ahead, and then you, all, you can do all of it. Both brothers are happy. You can work a different job or work no job. You can have nicer stuff, but you got to get ahead first. It has to come first. So well, I'm too old now. That would have been a good sermon for the young people. It is a good sermon for the young people, but no matter how old you are, you are as young today as you'll ever be the rest of your life. And by the way, once you get ahead, it's all possible. And by then, your values may even change. You may prioritize different things that you want to spend your money on or things you want to do with your life. But how rough is it to get to the, a stage of life where you have different priorities and you can't fund them because you kept spending it all on things that don't matter to you anymore? If you get ahead, when your values change as you get older, you can prioritize what you want to do for yourself and for others because you can. But you have the option because you're ahead and you got to get there first. Last of all, next Sunday, we're going to discuss what to do, how to make what you store up turn into passive income for you, how to make this right here make you money so you can sit back and let your money make you more money so you don't have to count on this, so you can fund that. How do you put your getting ahead to work for you so that you can stay in a spot where you are okay? We'll discuss what to do with the gap next week. But for today, in the meantime, I always close with a question. 
Every week I'm giving you a question to take home to think about, to discuss with your spouse, to discuss with your family. This week's question goes like this. What will you do to minimize your outgo? Answer that question practically. Think of a real tan. Last week we said, what will you do to maximize your income? Think about that if you've not done so yet. This week, what will you do in real life? What will you do to minimize your outgo? Think about that this week and let that help you make a change. Because, as we'll see next week, all the difference in the world happens once you've gotten ahead and there's something filling the gap. It's where, it's where transformation, it's where lives are altered. And I don't mean spiritually, although I do believe spiritually. Because when you're not, when you're not serving God and stuff, when you're not trying to serve two masters, when you're free from certain pressures to live, well, life change happens in more ways than you could possibly imagine. But we got to get off the train sometime if we're on the wrong train.